Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and we are in episode three of our five-part series that includes the Solve It Method. So you'll find the link in the show notes for the other two episodes that started our series. And today, I want to go to the part of the process in the Solve It Method, which is a method or process that you can use to solve any problem. And I've talked about it before, I've called it other things before, but I love this name, the Solve It Method. So I hope you do too, I'd love your feedback on that. And even done episodes on the four com components of this, you know, kind of all lumped together, but I wanted to break it apart and really give each component their due time, so to speak. And so today we're gonna to talk about action. Action is so important. And, and right away, I want you to notice, even when I use the word, what you're thinking, like for some of us, it's like, woohoo, yeah, give me some action to do. I'm ready. Like until I can really get into motion around something, I can't figure out if it's working. I don't know if it's a good idea. I like being busy. So I like having things to do. It's great. Okay. For other people, action will make them break out in the, you know, sweat just at the mention of the word. And they have stories about themselves being procrastinators, not being good at finishing things that they start, not being good at getting things done, you know, all these stories that we pick up through the years, and then we make them true about ourselves. But they're not necessarily true. And by the time you get to the end of this series, you're going to understand even better what I'm about to share with you today. But I want you just to sort of bracket whatever ideas you have about yourself and action, because we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle. So if you recall, or if you heard last week's episode, the first component we talked about in this Solve It Method is desire. Now, these components have no special order, okay? I'm just talking about them with desire first, action second, then we'll get to thoughts and feelings for the next two episodes. But they're all 
interchangeable or they all connect to each other, which is why it's not, I didn't want to call it a process exactly, or it's not a step, you know, four steps to solving all your problems. This is why we're just calling it the solve it method, because every component interacts with the other. All right. So if you are great at taking action as I am, here's one of the downsides that can happen there. We can get so caught up in the action towards a goal that we push too hard. We don't pay attention to the signs that are showing us a different way or, you know, warning signs or whatever, because we're just in motion. We're just doing and nothing's going to stop us. Okay. And the the potential downside to that is that your soul, your body, your higher self could be wanting to tell you, hey, actually, this isn't in your highest good. Maybe the goal is no longer in your highest good, that desire you were going for, or maybe just the way you're trying to get there, right? There's a, a way that will serve you better. Not, I hate to use the words better and worse, but whatever, we have to, to qualify this. Something that will bring you to a higher vibration, something that will bring you to higher evolution of your own unfolding. And if we're so busy just pushing and staying the course, right? No matter what, I'm staying the course. Then we can get locked into that and not listen to the voices that are showing us a little different path or that, in fact, we've outgrown the goal. I've had this happen to me a number of times where I passionately pursued something and then got a little ways into it and was like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, this was something I really wanted to do a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. And now that I can do it, I actually don't have the desire for it anymore, which is why that desire episode is so important. So listen to that if you have not, because that I, I don't want to re-unpack that. Um, but the desire piece is a little more complicated than it may seem on the surface. So we don't want to be pushing so hard. We miss those nudges from the divine to course correct or change the goal altogether, change the desire altogether. But in addition, if you're the person who's procrastinating or just has, maybe you start out strong and then you lose your steam, then that is the fantastic sign. It's like the flag waving at you to say, okay, examine this. So when we lose our steam, a perfect, easy, you know, classic example is in January when everyone's excited about losing weight or getting into better shape or whatever. And we all go to the gym for a few weeks and then we quit. So when we quit, as soon as you notice you're not taking action anymore, or you just don't have the enthusiasm for it, then it's time to reevaluate it based on these components. Do I still have the desire and if that seems to be in check, and that's going to take a little self-reflection. Like I had one just this week that I was very surprised when in the course of my taking action in it, actually what happened was something else came up that caught my attention in a much deeper way. And all of a sudden this other project felt more like a distraction. Like even though I've totally enjoyed it, 
it felt like a total distraction. And I know myself well enough, and I've seen this happen so many times with clients. A lot of times when we have a um, new project come in that suddenly takes away the steam of an old project, we'll actually judge that harshly as if, you know, the classic ADHD shiny object, you know, squirrel. And sometimes that's it. And we need to evaluate that and say, okay, was that just a shiny object I went running after? Or is this simply a new project that is seeking my attention right now? Remember that in, I think I used this metaphor in one of the last two episodes, that really our highest self lives from a place of being a river and flowing rather than a rock and being so steady, so dug in, so to speak, to the dirt that we don't move. That lack of movement, while it is sometimes admired by others, oh, she's steady as a rock, you know, comments like that. It is sometimes admired by others, but it rarely ends up being the wisest path for us because wisdom always has a fluidity to it. And so this is why action is such an important indicator. Whenever I struggle with action or I get where I'm pushing too much, like I do this, I'm classically a pusher. I'm a good old Capricorn. And, you know, for a Capricorn, our uh, animal is a mountain goat. And so that's what, like, it just sort of signifies that ease of climbing these very steep mountains, right? If you've ever seen one, you know, live and in person, like they can climb up on the steepest pitch with just the tiniest little ledge or rock or something to stand on. And, you know, they make their way up. That's what they do. They're, they're mountain climbers. And so I have this very powerful, it just feels so natural to me, okay, to be climbing a mountain all the time. So even if you're like me, and that's the case, like there's a lot of great qualities about that, like all things, but sometimes I can get so devoted to getting to the top of that mountain, no matter what, that even when I should stop (laughs) and go around at another route or go down and start over, find a new mountain, whatever that would be in the metaphor, I won't because I am just pushing towards that goal, right? So that's why these action, this action piece is so much more important than sometimes we give it really credit for. We take it too simplistically, like, oh, I'm just being lazy or, oh, I'm, you know, there I go, chasing a shiny object. Well, how about there you go, finding what's really in your highest good, knowing that there's a time to shift and pivot and change, even though the other project was super worthy. Like this is a, an example of that I've had that I've shared before is my enthusiasm about adding the a program called Bold to my offerings as a coach. And it's an empowerment program for young girls. And of course, I love the idea of empowering young girls so that they have so much more sense of self and power when they're, you know, get to their older teenage years, their twenties, their thirties than I ever did. I mean, what's more worthy than that? Awesome. So I sign up, I do it, you know, and then I realize that while I'm passionate about the topic, I actually don't want it to be a part of my coaching practice. So, okay. 
But if I had made myself stay the course because I invested the money, I invested the time, like I don't want that to be a waste. How many times you hear that? I was talking to somebody, wasn't actually coaching them, it was sort of just a clubhouse room conversation. And she was so worried about passing up on the opportunity for a scholarship for some further education. And yet, even though it would help her get her degree, she already knew she didn't want to pursue the careers that were connected to that degree. She wanted to pursue something else, but she didn't want to waste that, you know, offering of that scholarship. And so when I was talking to her about it and sort of just, you know, coaching her through it informally, she suddenly realized that, yeah, of course, she didn't have to look at it that way. That one, she could take those classes and they wouldn't be a waste because they would help inform other aspects of her own life or her own, this other business project she wanted to do. Or she could let it go and say, it's okay. Like, who cares if I got the money for it? If I don't have the passion for it anymore, I need to spend that time and money going towards what I'm passionate about now. And so that's the kind of thing that when we're in our wisdom, instead of a fixed position, instead of being that rock, we're being the river, our action will follow that same flow. That's why the word term flow is attached to these really high functioning states. One, because the guy who figured that out called it flow, but it's such a perfect word because all the descriptors around being in flow have to do with fluidity. That's when we're in our creative genius. That's when we're seeing infinite possibilities. That's when, you know, we're open to new ideas, when our instincts can come in, just things we're not even like consciously thinking about and will just lead us in a certain direction. Athletes have this happen all the time and their body will just do things that they've never done before because they were so relaxed and fluid. And that was the action that sort of came from them instead of it was on a list somewhere and I had to go do it. Okay. So I hope that distinction makes sense because these are all things that we have to get below the surface on. The solve it method works because it helps me with a client get below the surface of the predominant thoughts we have. Well, I'm just a procrastinator. That's why I don't take action. It's not because I don't desire it. Well, I'm just going to call bullshit on that. So you've had a number of things that you haven't done and there's a reason why you haven't done them or, you know, you've left them to the last minute so they can't be done. So a procrastinator to me, I did not look this up in the dictionary, but I'll just make this distinction for you now listening. So you know what I mean when I say that, when I'm talking about a procrastinator, I'm talking about the person who waits so long to get something done that it ends up uh, getting in their way. You know, it shoots them in the foot. They don't make the deadline. They don't get the project done. They end up bailing because they can't do it on time. You know, it short circuits the whole thing or sabotages it at the end is probably a better way to describe that. Now, there are some of us that our style, I am very much this way is that we're good under pressure. So I will tend to leave a project to be done closer to its due date. Like for me, I tend to unpack it a little bit when I first decide to do it or I first get hired to speak or teach or whatever it is. I'll kind of decide what I want to do, maybe do a little bit of an outline. And then I put it away until, depending on what it is, 
a week or several days or, you know, a couple weeks, just depends again on what my deliveries are, <laughs> but until closer to the deadline, not panicked to the deadline, not so close that if I got sick or, or sick or something came up with one of my kids and they needed help or, you know, something like that, that, and I had to go do something that was unusual for my calendar, then I would be in that place where I'm sabotaging myself and I can't possibly get it done. I don't go that close. That's why I don't call it procrastinating. But I do leave it until near the end of the deadline because I just work very well. I do my best creative work when I'm close to a deadline. But if you're sabotaging by waiting so long that you can't get it done, that's a problem. But the problem isn't. So the surface is I'm a procrastinator. But you see, that's not really the problem. The problem is in one of these other things. It's not your desire or you have thoughts and feelings that are creating the action or inaction of self-sabotage by procrastinating. So we'll get into how those work and impact the process and how to overcome them, what the sort of antidotes and ways to alter what our thoughts and feelings are that are getting in our way and up-level all the ones that would help us get to our goal. But you see, action or inaction is all part of that. So I wanted to talk about it right here at the beginning instead of after thoughts and feelings, because I want you just to first just start to let that percolate. And even as you go through this week or however many days it is until you listen to the next episode of the podcast, notice for yourself where that inaction or overaction is. So like that pushing or overcompensating for another person. When I start doing, this is what people pleasers do all the time, right? We do for other people, we over function and other people get to under function because of that. And we tell ourselves, well, we just had, to, I mean, dinner had to get on the table. Of course I had to do it, you know, or whatever. And that's actually not true. That's how we'll get to that in thoughts because something else can happen besides you doing it. The other person can end up doing it at the last minute. You can end up deciding to eat peanut butter and jelly, going out to dinner, calling DoorDash, whatever. There's other solutions, but it doesn't have to be that you overfunction for the person whose responsibility it was. So action ends up being a real key opener. It's like it shines the light on the truth of what's going on or where the misstep is occurring. It may not, shines the truth, let's see, that might be a little overstated. It opens that door so you can go in <laughs> and find the truth, which is probably in your thoughts and carries over into that desire and into your feelings. But the inaction or feeling the push or not being willing to listen to other feedback that's coming into the environment that might tell you to pivot or to set it aside for now or something like that, that unwillingness to listen to that, those are indicators of something else. They're not the problem. They're indicators of something else. And so this is what makes our work together. And especially when I work with people one-on-one -on -one 
or in any sort of like when I come, I'm going to do, I'm going to create a digital course for you guys later in June, probably we'll, I'll launch that all around the solve it method so we can break it down even further because as sim you know it is simple the method is very simple and the concepts are simple but when we start applying them it gets more complex and because we are complex people that's okay there's nothing wrong with you right it's great that we're complex people but what happens in many self-help books or arenas or programs or even a lot of times with coaching is that all we do is deal with the surface. Oh, I keep chasing shiny objects. Oh, okay. Let's go. Well, here's what you do. Here's how to stay focused. And here's, you know, don't do that. And da, 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 da. I want to know below that. What is that that is driving the distraction? Because when we get to what's below that, and there's probably more than one layer, okay? It's usually three to five <laughs> layers before we get to what is really the root of the issue, which is why working with a coach, working with me specifically, helps people grow so much faster or deeper in a shorter amount of time than you can do alone because you need someone else to help you find those layers. They're hidden in your unconscious, but that's the point. They're unconscious <laughs> and they're hidden. And so it's very hard for you to see it yourself. Same for me to see it in myself. That's why I'm always seeing a coach as well. But I can see yours. It's much easier for me to pick up on little things you might say that lead me, they're the little breadcrumbs, you know, that get laid so that I can find those layers and we can get to the root. And that's why my clients experience liberation. That's why they experience that freedom. That's why there's a lasting transformation because we didn't just put a Band-Aid on, I like to chase shiny objects. No, 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 no. We figured out what the root cause of that was and then started changing the habits all along the way. And that's where lasting transformation happens. That's where all the liberation is. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. If you can see what I'm saying about how looking at your places of action or inaction or push might be the indicators to you of where you're out of alignment, where you're not following your desire, or where a thought is coming in to sabotage your desire or a feeling is coming in to sabotage your desire. Because when, when we're in alignment, as we learn how to apply and use the solve it method, that's the result. That's what happens is people live in this confidence and clarity of flow. And so Sure, they course correct. Sure, they pivot. Sure, they give up a project that they started a few weeks ago because now they feel something so much better, something that's in so much more alignment has surfaced, but it's all in alignment. So it feels like flow. It doesn't feel like stress. And that's the big key. It's not that life doesn't have its ups and downs. It's what those ups and downs do to you, right? And so I continue to maintain, as do others, that when we're in this level of alignment that's really deep from our core, we can go through very difficult circumstances, divorces, you know, losses of loved ones, moving, job loss, all kinds of, you know, difficult things that we would typically call stressful. Uh, 
and not experience the level of stress that most people would experience. Okay. It's not nirvana. It's not perfection. There are feelings, but it's just completely different. Trust me, I've done it many times and I have many clients who have done it as well. It's just a completely different experience to go through something challenging from a place of rooted, deep alignment and the stress of staying on the surface. All right. So with that, I will leave you for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. And I can't wait to see you next week in our next episode in The Solvent Method. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got something a little special in the show notes for you today. It's my most popular download, the three-step guide to being seen and heard. This guide is going to help you in any relationship where you feel like you're not being seen and heard. It doesn't matter whether it's your lover or your boss or your mother, this thing works. So go get that for yourself. I also have the link to my private Facebook group, Liberate Your People Pleaser. If you're not already a member, you're going to want to join that right away. I post in there every day. You're going to find a like-minded community. And every Wednesday, I do a Facebook Live that's really fun called Cocktails and Coaching. And you'll want to join us for that as well. Last but not least, you would make my day if you put a photo, just take a little screenshot of maybe your favorite episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser and post it on social media and tag me. I love to hear about the episodes that mean the most to listeners. So thank you in advance for posting on social media and tagging me in that. So I will see you in the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser.